Coming up on the Pinstripe Pod, Aroldis Chapman becomes the third Yankee to get hit with the coronavirus. When will we see the newly jacked-up closer next? The post-longtime baseball columnist Ken Davidoff stops by to update us on that and the latest Aaron Judge ailment. Nellie and I also chat with the member of the 1996 World Series champion Yankees, Charlie Hayes. That should be a lot of fun. All that and more next on the Pinstripe Pod from the New York Post. Welcome to the Pinstripe Pod, a New York Yankees podcast from the New York Post. I'm your host, Chris Sheeran, alongside my co-host, former Yankee and four-time World Series champion Jeff Nelson. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you use Apple, please give us a five-star rating and write a nice review. We appreciate your support, as always. Ken Davidoff and 1996 Yankees World Series champion Charlie Hayes join us today. Well, another player, Nelly, as we get started here on the latest pinstripe pod, another player for the Yankees test positive for the coronavirus. We saw Luis Sessa and DJ LeMahieu before camp even started. That's spring training 2.0. And now it's Aroldis Chapman. That's the closer, Nelly. That, that, that's not like a fringe player. That's that's the guy that's going to come in and win you some games. So the Yankees get some more bad news. Yeah, and, that, and it's unfortunate. It always seems like the Yankees get bit in the butt somehow. Uh, year after year, some significant person goes down. And, and this year with the coronavirus, you have LeMahieu is really going to be backed up. Who knows when he's going to be able to get cleared to come back to camp and, and get things going. And now your closer, lucky enough, you have a deep bullpen. The only thing it does hurt is that everybody, uh, you have your roles. You had Adovino, you had Britton, you have Chad Green. Everybody's used to their innings and then all of a sudden leading up to Chapman, now everybody's going to get pushed back. And Britton most likely, from what everyone reads, is going to get most of the save opportunities. I mean, he's done it before. He did it with Baltimore. Uh, he led the league in saves before. Uh, he was the fireman of the year before. He still has nasty stuff. So as far as the mentality he's probably the best option anyway as far as pitching in the ninth but it really hurts the Yankees because who knows when Chapman's going to be back and you know I, I'll say it now I said whatever team stays the healthiest and you have 60 games to try to abide by every protocol and not I, I know it's so tempting to go out and try to you know, this is baseball. You go on the road. You want to hit dinner somewhere with the guys. You want to go out to a, a bar or something to have drinks and, and, you know, try to cool down after a game. You're not going to be able to do that. You know, you got to have some kind of discipline. Not saying, I don't know what Chapman did or how he caught this or, or what happened, but during the season, the teams that stay the safest and stay towards the protocol and don't veer off and, and say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to get it. It's not going to happen to me or the one who are going to have success this year. And, and with the Yankees, it's tough. And then you hear news that Aaron Judge has a stiff neck, and that's something you don't want to hear either. Well, we're going to dive into both of these topics when we welcome in Ken Davidoff. And, and Kenny also uh, wrote a column about the Yankees no longer being the favorite, so we're going to ask him about that. But with that said, and with 
Chapman now uh, out with coronavirus and we don't know when he's coming back, Nelly. Does that worry you at all uh, as we move forward here towards this 60-game season? Well, it does because of 60 games. You know, it's got to worry you. When somebody goes down, it isn't like, okay, they go down in April and you still have five months of the season left. You can afford to lose somebody early. But now you don't. You have 60 games and you can't afford to lose anyone at any point of the uh, of the season. You know, you look at Aaron Judge. You know, the season's going to start here in, what, 10 days or so. And you want him to be healthy. He's got to stay healthy for 60 games. Giancarlo Stanton, same way. 60 games. You got to stay healthy. And then going into the postseason, Aroldis Chapman, you would love to have seen him stay healthy and, and not get sick. But he's got this. Who knows how long it's going to be. Uh, they do have a deep enough bullpen. Now guys are going to have to step up just a little bit more. Uh, you see some of the starters, which is really, really impressive for me. I mean, you look at Garrett Cole. He went five innings and threw 60-plus pitches his first time, uh, something that I didn't think that these guys were going to get there. So, uh, you know, James Paxton's another one. You know, you look at some of the guys on the Yankees roster that has had injury problems in the past. It can't happen for 60 games. If the Yankees are going to try to go for number 28, these guys have got to stay healthy. Yeah, we talked about Michael King and Clark Schmidt on the last podcast on Thursday, and uh, you just brought up Garrett Cole. But I want to bring up somebody else, too, here before we move on to Judge, since you brought up the pitching, Nelly. And that's uh, Jay Happ. He, he looks like a different pitcher from last year. Now, he did turn things around in the second half last year. He looked tremendous in spring training 1.0, and it looks like he hasn't missed a beat so far in these Yankee uh, summer camp sessions at Yankee Stadium. Well, uh, you're right. I mean, he had a, he had an opportunity of losing his job and not being in the starting rotation. I mean, he came when he came over a couple of years ago before he signed that deal. He was outstanding for the Yankees on the on the. I think he was seven and zero, wasn't he? He was. He was at, you know coming over from the Blue Jays. He was great. And then next thing you know, he last year he signs the deal. He really struggled. Uh, all of a sudden, the next thing you know, you he's talking about moving to the bullpen. You don't know in 2020 if he's if he's even going to break as a starter. He might. Be be a long guy, maybe a spot guy, uh, but I think they need him a starter. I think they need him in this rotation. You have Paxton, which I, I think really needs to stay healthy. You have Tanaka, concussion. When does he come back? I'm sure he's throwing just a little bit, but you always have to monitor that situation. That's always a delicate situation when somebody has a concussion. And you have Garrett Cole. I think Jay Happ is a key member of this rotation, especially a four or five guy. They need him. And uh, you brought up Garrett Cole, and he was the Yankees' biggest offseason signing in fact like the only offseason signing for the Yankees uh, the richest contract for a pitcher and Cole pitched five innings on Sunday he struck out nine uh, and we talked about this on Thursday Nelly uh, the, the pitchers and they've talked about it on these Yankees summer camps on the S network the pitchers are obviously ahead of the hitters you brought up that point as well Cole pitched the five inning Sunday struck out nine not expected to face the Mets in exhibition games on Saturday and Sunday but he looks like he is right on track dialed in and ready to go. He is chomping at the bit, Nelly, to get this season underway. Well, absolutely. I mean, he, you know, he signed the big contract with the Yankees. He wants to get to the World Series. Who cares if it's 60 games and he's your stud, whether you go 10 or 12 starts uh, for the, through the rest of the season, uh, he's going to be your guy. And, 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 you know, it really looked like he didn't let, he didn't have a lay down. He didn't, he didn't sit down at all during that time off before spring training. One he, 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 he was throwing with his wife. He was throwing with his wife. I know. And his wife has a hell of a slider, by the way, <laughs> as she was pregnant. Yeah. Go look up the video. Look at that slider. His wife exactly. Was I didn't even know she was pregnant at the time, but how about <laughs> that? My goodness. But he's your ace for a reason. That's why you, well, the one move the Yankees had to do, they had to go get a frontline starter. And, you know, they always had a good offense. 
They always have good defense. Their pitching and the bullpen was great, but their starting rotation was always suspect. I mean, you have Tanaka and Paxton. And here's two things, two guys right there. One of the reasons why I think Paxton has to stay healthy. He's a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, he can't he can't have that label on him that, hey, you know what? You're going to get 20 or 23 starts out of James Paxton because that's just not going to cut it. Here's a guy you should get 28 to 33 every single year. He should be pitching 200 innings and he just hasn't got there yet. He's something for him to prove. Tanaka's a free agent as well, you know, at the end of the season. You know, he's a key member of this rotation. And then you have Cole and Cole's a, Cole's a workhorse and you're going to have to ride him every fifth day. Uh, if there's an off day, maybe you skip someone in that rotation just to have him pitch because you're going to wind up having so many limited amount of starts with him. The one nice thing is if the Yankees can stay healthy, and this is with every team, you're going to get fresh guys, almost mid-season form once October hits. You know, once after 60 games, these guys are locked in. They're ready to go in October, and it's going to be an exciting postseason. Let's hope the Yankees stay healthy and get there. Yeah, there's no dog days. You know, everybody says the dog days of August because you're you're, you're going through this season, yeah. and it's a grueling season, and you're not going to have that. That's a great point out of you, but the three Yankees get coronavirus. Tanaka gets hit in the head. It's like 2019. Yogi said it, deja vu all over again, right. but I think everybody has to pump their brakes, Nelly, and just relax. It's still, <laughs> I, I hate saying this because in a 60 game season, it's not, and I'm using air quotes here, like Chris Farley, it's not early. <laughs> it's never early in a 60 game. No, and you, you say everybody relax, but it's, it's the same people getting hurt again. You know, it's yeah, like, oh I my know. gosh, you read. And the thing of it is, and, and it, it's a little alarming because the media level, and, and you think that because of the coronavirus and everybody has to take their social distancing, that maybe the media will not find, would not find out as much uh, as they normally would because they find out everything that maybe that stiff neck that Judge had maybe could have been swept under under the rug a little bit, but it's not, you know, and this is one thing you don't want to read. You don't want to read anything about Aaron Judge. You don't want to read anything about Giancarlo Stanton. These two guys are in the middle of your lineup or a two-hole hitter for Judge. These guys got to stay healthy. 60 games you're talking about, 60 games, and you want these guys on the field every single night. Well, we'll see if that happens. Uh, let's let's spin this a little to the positive, and uh, let's go back to something we were doing, Nelly, when we first started this podcast way back in March. Feels like eons ago, as Clark Griswold once said, but give us one of your Nelly's nuggets. Is a story from your past with the Yankees, again, a four-time World Series champion, so what do you have for us today? Well, we'll go with 96, uh, you know, because we're have Charlie Hayes on here and and what a key part that he came over to us at the end of August and and he was just a key member in in September and especially during the playoffs and a great teammate and and you know something that never really bothered him but we'll go in the bullpen you know we had so much fun we had uh, you know we got Graham Lloyd at, at a time from the Milwaukee Brewers with Pat Listash he added to the left-handed side in our bullpen we have John Wetland who was an absolute nut by the way as a closer we had Bob Wickman down there wound up being a closer going over to Cleveland. He was an absolute nut as well. Uh, you have um, Ramiro Mendoza was down there. You had Mo, myself. I mean, we had we would play these games. We were big sunflower seed flickers, and we went to we went to Boston and we were putting guys' eyes out. We had two bullpen catchers back the, back in the day. And I, I flicked a seed or somebody flicked a seed and it landed and it hit him right in the eye. So we went to, uh, we were in Boston and, and the bullpen is really, really close. We went to the hardware store and I bought these, these goggles, these uh, almost uh, welding goggles. 
and I got enough for every member in the bullpen. And we would sit there for the first couple innings and we would just nonstop just fire these seeds at each other. And at least we couldn't get hit in the face. We just play stupid game. We play pass it down. I mean, we sit there and pinch each other or grab somebody's head and slam it up against the back of the back of the bullpen. You know, it was just crazy you stuff that we did. Somehow. Oh my God. We um we were in Milwaukee one time and we were, I think John Wetland messed uh messed with the grounds crew, but the grounds crew because we were underneath the right, the right center field big scoreboard. And you could hardly see any part of the game from where our bullpen was, but the grounds crew left all their equipment there and they left their mud and their uh their diamond dry, the stuff where they you pour yes, on the wet spots yes, and all that yes. stuff. Well, John Wetland messed with it one day. And he did something to their clay or, you know, I don't know what he did that he destroyed pretty much the whole thing. And the, and the grounds crew guys got pissed off. <laughs> the next day we come and we had these um, we had these seats and they had these little small pads on the on this bench. And it, it was supposed to be a little cushion, but it wasn't much of a cushion. So the next day we get out there and we're smelling this horrible smell. Well, the grounds crew for Milwaukee tried to get us back and they put cat litter with, I guess it was used a kit litter box. Uh. And they poured it all underneath of our uh, of the pads. Now, some of the guys wound up sitting on them and we smelled them like, what the heck? And we lifted up and there's all kinds of cat litter everywhere with poop everywhere. <laughs> oh, my God. That didn't go too well because then the, then the uh, then the grounds crew guys got it even worse. So, you know, you've just nobody. We're, we're away from everyone. You, you know, nobody sees us. I mean, we're, it's we a like different plague. You're, you're on an island. I mean, U.S. pitchers are on an island by yourself when you get called into the game or if you're a starter, but you're also on another island when you're out there in the bullpen with your fellow relievers. So you're basically uh, removed from the game in a certain way. And you have to find certain things to keep yourselves well, busy. Well, guys, I find it funny that poop seems to be a common theme of the 96 Yankees bullpen. Dating back to your Doc Gooden story. more of that getting thrown around than it was in the play. I mean, it's the superstitions, the stuff that we do, uh, you know, it's just a routine. And once you get into the playoffs, you wind up finding yourself doing the same thing every day and or, you know, right before, right before a series. And feces was a big part. You know, it was uh, – it played a big part of the 96, 96 team. It might have been one of the reasons why we won the World Series. Who would have thought that ending an 18-year gap of the Yankees not winning World Series would be themed by feces? Yeah, yeah Jake. I mean, who, who would have thought? You you could you could uh, promote this podcast with the poop emoji, Jake. <laughs> there you go. Millennials. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, um, that's Nelly's nugget, and I, I don't even want to like even begin to think what that word nugget means with the, Oh, never mind. I'm there was a lot move. of nuggets going around. Here. <laughs> I'm just going to move on. We're not talking chicken. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not. No. All right, Nelly, let's go to one of the best writers in the business who has been covering the Yanks in the Bronx. That'd be Ken Davidoff. And we welcome back longtime New York post baseball columnist, uh, Ken Davidoff. Follow Ken on Twitter at Ken Davidoff and read his stories, of course, in the post and at nypost.com. Ken has been covering the Yanks throughout spring training 2.0. And Kenny, the Yankees got uh, some bad news again on the COVID front. The latest was their oldest Chapman. So what's the latest on him? When will we see him, do you think? Have you, have they given you any idea? They've given us zero timeline, Chris. Uh, and what's most distressing about this one is that he was in camp. Right. So he, uh, he, he came, I think he was in Florida. Uh, you know, he came up from Florida uh, and, and, 
went through the intake and tested negative and joined the team. And then he tested positive. So that's just another example of how difficult this is going to be to pull off. Yeah, Ken, this is a question. What, what, where are these guys staying? Are they staying, you know, at their local apartments? And, you know, I still think it's really going to be tough for 60, I mean, 60 games. It's going to be really tough to try to keep these guys in and to try to keep them out of restaurants, keep them out of bars or whatever, something that they've always been used to once the season starts. Uh, do we know how he caught it? Or do we know, hey, is there certain protocols that these guys have to follow no matter where they are? Well, we don't know where he caught it, Nelly. And uh, there are no hard and fast rules. There are no, you know, there's no discipline for going to a bar or restaurant, but there, you know, it's, it's the code of the team we hey guys you know we got to take this seriously and you know and, and not put ourselves in harm's way now you know it's not clear whether you know we, there's still so much we don't know about this virus. He might have picked it up in Florida and it might have still been incubating during the intake and then it fully uh, blossomed the last few days. You know, there's still so many unknowns with this thing. You might not know the answer to this, Kenny, but I have to ask. I know the Yankees did the contact tracing to see who he was around and who he's been with uh, within the organization. Did they then go ahead and test people he was around and did they get those tests back or do we not know any of that? No, they, according to Aaron Boone, they did the contact trace and they tested everyone who was in his Chapman's vicinity and all those people cleared by testing negative. Well, Ken, another one that you didn't want to read about, and I thought maybe with the COVID-19, the distancing, the Zoom interviews and all this, that maybe the media wouldn't find out about some of the injuries uh, as they usually do. But Aaron Judge, what do you say? What do you see with him? The stiff neck is something that you definitely don't want to read. He and Giancarlo Stanton are two guys that have to be on the field every single night. Aaron Boone uh, downplayed it, you know, said it wasn't a big deal. So we will see. But Nelly, to your point, uh, Aaron Judge, we've seen the upside but now this is the third year in a row where he has really been compromised by injuries and and obviously he would have missed all this time uh had there not been a pandemic so uh that's a big part of the formula with him and as you mentioned with stanton kenny let me go back to chapman really quick just a couple questions on him mm -hmm. how how will the bullpen shift and and i i did hear zach Britton would potentially move into that closer role but is there anything else you've heard about that yeah you know, boone was pretty clear that you know, britain would get the the bulk of the the save opportunities and obviously what that does is that creates a domino effect zach britain's an excellent closer i don't think right. anyone's concerned about that but now you don't have zach britain for the eighth inning or the or the seventh inning uh and now that puts more uh more of an onus on adam Adovino. it puts more of an onus on chad green on uh tommy canely so yeah, they still have, they have a very very deep bullpen but naturally there's going to be an impact when you lose your closer. Now, Ken, I was reading your article and you felt like maybe the Yankees aren't any longer the favorite in the American League. And, you know, is that because of Chapman's down? Is that because of some of the early injuries? Maybe LeMayhew has not been cleared yet to come back to camp. And you have some of the teams out there like the Astros, maybe the Minnesota Twins. Uh, you know, what do you feel? Is it, talk to us a little bit about what you said about how you feel that the Yankees might not be the favorite any longer. Yeah, look, look at what's happened a week into this, right? I mean, the uh, <laughs> So now it's, it's their first workout was that Saturday, which was July 4th. It was, it was Tanaka, yeah. Yeah, so eight days of camp uh, as as we're talking here. Uh, so they announced LeMahieu. They announced Sessa. They announced Chapman. Tanaka, 
horrifying injury. <laughs> yeah. Could, yeah. could have been much worse, it appears. Thank goodness. That's a lot of damage already in a short amount of time. And now if Judge has an issue here with his neck. Now, on top of that, I do think we've seen stuff happen all around the industry. And I think it just looks increasingly silly to try to handicap this uh, beyond the obvious. You know, the Orioles are going to stink. You know, we can set our set our clocks to that. Uh, <laughs> you know, the Seattle Mariners are going to stink. We don't have to worry about that. But when you're talking about the teams that are at least halfway trying and we're talking about a 60 game sprint it's really tough to to handicap the races at this point it, it seems like kenny that the the backup plan for dj lemayhu is tyler wade if that's the case please tell me but as the bullpen shifts and maybe somebody gets an opportunity early on in the bullpen with now chapman being a question mark who do you think besides wade could i don't want to say benefit because lemayhu is out with covid right but who could move into that backup role to wade who could make the team that uh 28 man roster when the season starts well, the one name that pops in my mind is Kyle Holder. He started at second base yesterday in the intra squad because Wade had to move to right field to cover for Judge. Right, know? So, right, right. Uh, you know, Wade is versatile. That uh, works in his favor. But yeah, Kyle Holder is a guy we've heard about for a couple of years now. Uh, strong with a glove. I'm not sure about the bat, but that's uh, you know that that would be a, a guy in the mix there. Yankees are uh, exploring the possibility, Kenny, of piping in crowd noise in the stands. Have you have you gotten any feedback? back from the players on this or the organization on you know where they really stand on this and if they're going to do it yeah they've thrown out that idea so I, I was there one day this week when Britain was asked about it and he, he was in favor of it and then Kyle Higashioka uh, the backup catcher seemed open to it look it's every, everything is going to be an experiment here right this is all uncharted territory you know watching these intra-squad games even those the intra-squads you know you're used to seeing those in spring training with even if it's 2,000 people but you know 2,000 enthusiasts people it really that that element to lose that element really hurts so uh, i'm in favor of it i think it's worth a shot and i, I think they'll probably have five ten other ideas that are worth a shot as well it's so interesting ken because you you watch spring training in in normal times and you don't really get the in-depth coverage that you all are providing uh through the new york post and also what the yes network is doing as well it's so it's so unique and, and it's so interesting to watch all of this happen and all the machinations i mean this is not what we want we want normal life back but as we watch this and as we haven't had sports for four months and and you watch baseball and you watch the s network and you read all the stuff that's happening i find it extraordinary what's going on right well it's interesting chris you you open up an interesting topic of the conversation so you know the s network i mean think of all this this programming they have that they really haven't capitalized on in in the past right i mean they have right now it's the michael k show they simulcast right but this is original content they have at their fingers Mm -hmm. and it's pretty clear that people are into it permission to speak freely like this has always been great for people like me that yes didn't televise it because they would have to <laughs> they would have to turn to new york post and other sources to to read about it right so it is it's interesting and and I mean, who am i to, to question the s network they, 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 but i think i think kenny these because it's been away for so long yeah it's it goes hand in hand i don't think there's anything lost in anything here i think people are devouring everything that they're seeing i would agree I, i'd be in favor with the crowd noise you, you know because you're going to hear every you're going to hear a pin drop once the game start you know hear the broadcasters broadcasting the games you're going to hear people yelling and talking i mean it's just going to be really odd and you know players feed off the fans and i think that'd be very interesting to have that maybe even do it during a scrimmage game or one of these 
inner squads just to see how it would play out and how it would sound to the players. But one of the things I wanted to ask, and if you noticed, since there's not going to be any fans in the stands and during batted practice, when fans aren't in there, the ball carries quite a bit. And when fans are in there, it doesn't carry as well. Have you seen that? Have you seen, okay, the ball's getting out of the park a little bit better because there aren't any fans in the stands and that might play a big part once the season starts? That's a very interesting question, Noah. I, I admittedly had not connected those dots. Ball does seem to be carrying well so far, uh, but I had not attributed that to the absence of fans. It, yeah, it certainly could affect the, the aerodynamics of the ball. So, uh, Noah, I think there's a PhD in your future. <laughs> 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 I'm watching some of these home runs get out and Andahar going oppo with a fastball upstairs. I know, but uh, I'm like, man, no wonder the, the fans are in, in the stands. And I think the ball is going to be jumping out a lot more than it used to be. We'll, uh, we'll talk, we'll talk more physics yes. next time Kenny is on. <laughs> you know, as Kenny goes back to JP Stevens and I go back to South River High School, <laughs> our New Jersey roots are showing. Kenny, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, you could follow Ken. Of course, on Twitter, at Ken Davidoff, read his stories in the post and at nypost.com. Kenny, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. Hey, stay safe, guys. Always good to talk. We welcome in Charlie Hayes now. 20 games on the 1996 Yankees, of course, helping them win a World Series. Played one full season in the Bronx in 1997. Was also with the Yankees like five years earlier, too. And uh, you could follow Charlie on Twitter, at Ball, and the number two and ear, at Ball to Ear. And uh, he's also down at Yankee Fantasy Camp. And uh, it was great seeing Charlie down there when I was down there for a day. And and Charlie, I got to start with this. I've been a Yankee fan my entire life. And 1996 was special to me and my group of friends as Yankee fans. I just want to know how special that moment was for you because they say when you're new to a team, the ball finds you. Now, I know you were with the team for uh, over a month when we're talking about the World Series against the Braves, but the last out is squeezed in your mitt in foul territory. When that happens, the first championship in Yankee uh, history since 1978, how special was that for you? Uh, it was very special. Uh, it was a great group of guys. I was fortunate to you know, join those guys when I did. Uh, I had been calling my guy at home and was telling him to get my boat ready. I was in Pittsburgh. We were about 28 games out of first place. So I had started making plans for the offseason. And I got traded over there, and it was like a dream come true. But, you know, one of the highlights of my career for is playing baseball. And, you know, when you catch the ball, you run around, you get all happy, you get you get home, and then you kind of start thinking about uh, all the stuff you've been through to get to that point. Uh, it makes it very gratifying. Yeah, you know, Charlie, talk about the team a little bit. In 96, you said a great group of guys. And, you know, that was my first year over there as well. And 96 coming over from Seattle with Tino and playing in New York, obviously the media attention, the, you know, 25, 30 guys, the locker room was small team that we had. I mean, you know, play under those kind of circumstances. You think that, you know, it'd be hard to be a close knit team, but man, we had a bunch of guys that were a close knit bunch of guys and they were a lot of fun. I mean, you had you big daddy, Cecil Fielder, you know, Daryl Strawberry, Tim Raines, uh, you know, Doc Gooden was over there. You know, we, I mean, we had unbelievable talent, but the, but we everybody got along. I mean, everybody fought for the same goal. It was fun. Yeah, it was. It was a. It was a. a you know, like I tell people all the time, it was a, not only for the you know the guys' ability, but it was like the greatest team I ever played on. Everybody got along. 
I mean, you know, you might see me, Graham Lord, and Fox or somebody hanging out in one area, and then there's four more guys over there. And then we had Bowringer, who never talked, and we didn't know what he was. I thought he was a serial killer or something. And uh, yes. you remember that? And uh, Rock and He would read these Rock- Jeffrey Dahmer books on the bus. <laughs> Like, oh. yeah. So I always notice when I take ground balls, he would always be standing in left field. You know, I bend down, look through my legs, he'd be standing right behind me. So I asked Tim Rings, I say, Rock, what's up with that Bowringer guy? And he's like, he's a serial killer, bro. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, man, you crazy. He so, would stare at you guys I, all the time every time you go back to the bus when we were on the road. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was a he was he was a, he was a different uh, cat. And then uh, Rock goes, you just go check his locker. I'm just telling. You. So I always always was with the extra guy hitting BP. So after BP got over it, I took my ground balls with Willie Randolph. I ran inside like I had to use the bathroom. So I looked up in his locker and I saw like all these Jeffrey Dummers books. So uh, I was thinking from that point on that this guy was uh, exactly what Tim Raines and him were saying because, you know, I had some time in the big leagues then, but you always look up to the older guys, uh, the guys that are that, been so successful. I remember a moment when I got to the park and it was a left-hand pitcher throwing and I wasn't playing and I kind of pouted all day but um, I come out the, the, the clubhouse and walk in the dugout and I looked out on the field and, I, and you know the starters were out there and then I looked to my left I saw Strawberry I looked to my right I saw Tino Martinez and I go you know what from now on I'm just going to have fun if my name is in there I'm going to give it everything I got and if I ain't I'm just going to grab the pump pumps and cheer for everybody else because when I saw those guys, those guys had accomplished a whole lot more than I had in my career. And they were good with uh, whatever name Mr. Torrey put out there. So I learned to be good with it too. And I think baseball became a little bit more easier for me from, uh, you know, you always put a lot of pressure on yourself to do good, but it, it helped me relax. And it, it, it taught me from a situation that I uh, was in in Colorado when I was the guy. And it made me feel good that I all I had to do was just do my part. And that's what that team, uh, you know, was good about. Mr. Torrey uh, set the tone. Uh, nothing bothered him. And I think we took on that. And uh, that's one of the reasons why we were so successful. Yeah, you know, it's funny because once that's what I was telling Chris and, and Jake, the one thing about you that always impressed me is that nothing ever bothered you. And, and, and maybe it did before you, you came there, but nothing ever bothered you that, okay, if your name was in the lineup, pressure didn't get to you. You, you just okay, I'm going to go out, I'm going to, I'm going to give three for four, do whatever I have to do defensively. And I think it's one of the reasons why you played a lot in September and you were a big, big part of that championship team in October because Torrey said, you know what, this is a guy that nothing ever seems to bother him. And, and you know, I could put him in at any part of the lineup and, you know, put him in at third base and, and he's going to make the plays. You know, it's just easy going Charlie Hayes. Yeah, it was, it was. I tell you, Jeff, it was perfect for me because when I got there, I had played with Mariana Duncan. I was so uptight. I met the team in uh, Anaheim, and uh, Mr. Torrey called me, and he was like, where you at? And I said, I'm sitting in my room. I had been sitting there for 20 minutes. I just flew from Pittsburgh across country. And uh, he said, well, you need to be downstairs. There's a car waiting. So I'm running downstairs, and I'm thinking, I just flew from Pittsburgh to Anaheim. I'm thinking I'm going to get to chill in the room, you know, meet everybody the next day. But I got there, and I don't know if you remember, Jeff, but I was running up the tunnel. And you remember uh, Nick, whatever the clubhouse guy named? Yeah, he was running with Yeah, he was running, meeting me in the tunnel with my uniform. So I got yeah. it on, took about, took about 10 swings in the cage, and then it was the National Anthem, and I was out there playing. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And I just never looked back. But, you know, like I, I tell people all the time, I was so fortunate. 
catching it, man. And, and that's what, when he asked me about catching the last out, my, my graduation class in high school had 81 people. Think about that. And then I played for the Yankees and then actually be a part of a team that won the World Series. I mean, it was unbelievable. And, you know, I think about that all the time now. How fortunate I was, the opportunities I had got. I try to make the most of them. I think I, I fit it in better being a piece of the team instead of being the team. Jeff was saying I had fun every day. We had a great group of guys. And I mean, they could all ball. You know, we were confident as a team, whichever none Mr. Torrey put out there, they could do the job. And that's what he felt that day. He just kind of took it. I know I did in stride and just roll with it. Charlie, you, you talked about having Straw on one side, Tino on the other. Uh, you had Cecil Fielder on this team. Uh, it was basically, if, if the Avengers movie was a baseball team, it was the 1996 Yankees for crying out loud. Did that take pressure off you not that you felt pressure because because jeff said you really didn't have that pressure but when you look around and you see all those guys does the pressure just dissipate go away well i think more than anything it gave you a, a, a you know a sense of, of a sense of uh, calmness and you know like i said the guys were it were great guys you know i i was kind of intimidated and i had been in the big leagues for a while and uh, when i got there you know you got daryl strawberry you know i remember uh, that in the world series i think it was in three Three or four, Tom Glavin was pitching. He didn't throw a pitch over the plate. I got rung up. Uh, Jeff, I posted on Facebook. I and, saw that, too, because, you know, yeah, I was like, it was like, what, about a foot outside? I'm like, how in the heck do you hit that? So all my friends back home asked me, man, you usually lose your cool. Why? You didn't say anything to him. What did you do to the guy? I said, I didn't do nothing. I said, but when I got out at the third base and I was throwing my balls that you throw in between innings, I was like, this guy struck me out, and he was trying to walk me. And guess what? But I was in awe because I was batting in the front of Daryl Strawberry. Yeah. <laughs> I, couldn't, I, I couldn't believe it, you know? So it was, it was wild. It was wild. I mean, I was like a kid in a candy store. And, you know, Jeff and all those guys welcomed me there. And it was just, uh, you know, I think me being there, I think it made Box want to work harder. I don't know. You know, some of the guys would say that, but he was just a hard worker. He was a good guy. I respected that. You know, I tell people all the time, the greatest part of my career was that I used to go in on defense for a Hall of Famer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it was funny. It was 20, when we had our 20-year reunion, and it was at Yankee Stadium, and they called us out of the, what was it, center field wall, and we all went to our positions. You know, I, I think you, for me, I was looking at, you look at, you knew the team that we had. But when I got to the mound and I'm looking at every single guy at every position, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You know, this was an, you don't, I, I didn't realize how good a team we had. I didn't realize what kind of guys we had, Hall of Famers on our team. I was like, Charlie, man, no wonder we were good. No wonder we won the World Series. That, that, that was, that was a stud team, man. Yeah, I never, I never forget that day. I remember being in the tunnel in there. We were all sweating bullets. You know, I'm standing there at third, and there's Jeep. Then you see Duncan and Pat Kelly and then Tino and Cecil. And then the pitchers like Jimmy Keyes, uh, David Weathers, I mean, Bowringer. We, it was a, it, you know, the Braves had a better lineup than we did, but we had a better 25. And I always say that because, you know, in, 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 in no matter what combination Mr. Torrey put out there, it just seemed to, to, to mix. Tino would play one day, Cecil would play. 
you know, I was batting eighth or ninth, and always like, man, I come up, guys would be on base, or I just have to move a runner, you know, and that's the thing. I was taught to play baseball the right way. Runner on second, no outs, you try to move him in third, you make the job easier for the next guy. I remember being in Colorado, I was like in the middle of everything. I was very uncomfortable, and uh, I don't know, uh, one of my best years I had was in Colorado, but I, was, I didn't have fun, you know, it was it was like, I, I tell people all the time, I couldn't imagine being Barry Bonds, where you can't come out of the front of the hotel, you gotta go. Well, that was the side. first year that uh, Colorado had the team, you went from the Yankees in 93, was the first year. Yeah, and, they, and it was like, it was myself and uh, Andres Colorado, we supposed to be like the big guys there, and I was so uncomfortable, because I always wanted to just be that guy that was on a good team, be a good teammate, work hard, keep my mouth shut. It was unbelievable. Uh, 96, when I got traded over there, it was it was crazy. I didn't even know I was going to the, to the Yankees. I flew all the way to California and never realized that I was going to the Yankees because uh, my first uh, recollection of that whole trade was, why am I going? I ain't going to New York. They got way bought. So I thought I was going to the Mets, and I was like, I was all against that because they were losing. And, you know, I was like, what am I going to go over there for? What do they want to see in the last seven weeks of the season? And then we get there and get to the airport, and in the airport we landed in John Wayne. That's what let me know that I was going to the Yankees. It was just <laughs> a crazy day. It was a crazy day. I just I just have one more, and I've been holding this in my hip pocket ever since you two said Bo Ringer was a serial killer and had the Jeffrey Dahmer books in his locker. So, Charlie, I, I know that Bo is is down at uh, fantasy camp with you. So have you ever I, – I need to know. I'm an inquiring mind that I need to know. Have you ever sat down and talked to him and asked him about any of this stuff now? Actually, I don't know if Jeff remember. You remember when they did the, the reunion for the 20-year reunion in New York? We talked about that stuff then. But I remember a situation that winter because Bo is a very given person and he does this uh, bowling tournament in Missouri where he's from. And he sent me a letter and I never responded to it because I was afraid of the guy. And then they <laughs> called him. He said, I mean, this was 12, 14, 20 years later. And then uh, he calls me and he goes, uh, hey, man, uh, I've got this uh, bowling tournament. I'd like for you to come. So I was like, oh, man, I, I'm kind of busy, but <laughs> let me let me think about it. Uh, no, actually, this was like three or four years later. And I go, let me think about it. So I called Cecil up and I called Rock up and I said, hey, man, Bollinger called me about some uh, bowling tournament or that he puts on for charity out there. Cecil goes, man, don't go. Don't go. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, no, I better not go. You know, but, uh, so I, so I wind up, so I wind up not going. And they never told me anything, and I never asked any questions. And then, you know, all those years later, we were, you know, with the Yankees over there. They were celebrating the 10th year or the 20th year or whatever it was of us winning the World Series. I asked Bo. I, I became real good friends with uh, his wife. Shell. So, and I, and she used to always make jokes, and, I, and because she knew that I was, I thought that Bo was a serial killer. So we actually downstairs in the hotel started talking about it one night, and then <laughs> I, that's what made me comfortable with Bo. I was like, you know, Cecil and them, they used to put, you know, they we had some jokesters over there, Coney. It was an unbelievable team. The White Good. I had the last time I had been on a baseball field other than facing the White Good back in like 1977 when we were 
playing Little League and my team beat his team and we represented the South in the Little League World Series. It was crazy. I talked to Doc and he would all, he, when I was on the Phillies, we would come into New York. He would always, hey, you want to go eat food? Da, 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 da. And then he would always talk about how I was striking him out. And it was weird. I'm like, what do you know? I was striking Doc good now, but he's the pitcher and I'm a, and I'm a position player. That's what's so unique about baseball. It's just so crazy. All the best of luck to Key Brian and the Pirates organization. Uh, we hope he gets to the bigs this year, Charlie. And uh, hopefully uh, everyone, uh, you and your family and your academy, everybody stays safe. And we get we keep getting back to normalcy. We really appreciate you coming on, Charlie. Thank you so much. Yeah. But yeah, hey, Jeff, man, y'all take it. Y'all, you know, I hope all you guys are safe, uh, healthy, and blessed. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for uh, having me on. That's a wrap for episode nine of the Pinstripe Pod, our New York Yankees podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown for producing the show, as he always does. Make sure to subscribe to the Pinstripe Pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Read us five stars on Apple and write a nice review, please. For Nelly, I'm Sherney. Let's chat again on Thursday as Michael K. will join the show. Stay safe, folks. <laughs>